Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. I was wondering if you could highlight some of the differences between a CPA and a financial advisor. And provides unbiased answers. CPA is a bookkeeper kind of guy, girl, who has special knowledge and has passed a CPA test, which is very difficult, by the way. Invest Talk. Over 30 million downloads and counting. Should you use money out of your IRA to put a down payment on a house that you want to own? The answer is... Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast good afternoon everybody and welcome to invest talk invest talk it's friday march 5th 2021 and of course on today's program and podcast we'll operate with the same vision in mind the same mission statement independent thinking and shared success so this is what we do to help ensure that we provide proper information good, solid information on our market reporting, on our stock explanation, anything on education. So that's our effort. This is what we want to do. Inform the public. And of course, at the same time, I'm not fooling anybody or myself. This is our marketing tool. So I don't, you know, there's no hidden agenda here. This is what it is. I'm Steve Peasley. And of course, I encourage you to contact us with any of your financial or investment questions, you can call right now and ask your, any question you want to as long as it's financial. You get to drive the show wherever direction you want to take it. Okay, so you can call right now. 888-99-CHART is our number. We're live every day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. Okay, so let's get right to our first listener question. We don't want, you know, we try to move as fast as we can through the questions. So here is a caller question that was left earlier. Hi, all. I'm a new listener and I'm loving your content. Thank you so much. My name is Sarah and I'm calling about ticker ATRS and Taurus Pharma. It seems like a really solid company and they have a lot of interesting things in the pipeline, some approvals they're waiting on and they're doing a trial for Salatigrol. But I'm a little hesitant because the volume's lower than what I would want. But I was wondering what your take on it was. Thank you so much for all the content you make. Okay, this is a small pharmaceutical, Antares Pharmaceutical. It's a $697 million market cap, so under a billion. The stock is $4.15. So let's look at the fundamentals, okay? For years and years, it made no money. Then in 2020, it made 33 cents a share. That's a big jump from losing a penny share the year before. This year, they're going to make 15 cents, and next year, 27 cents. Meanwhile, sales are growing between 14, 15% to, I don't know, 20% in the last three quarters. Before that, it was much bigger because it was a much smaller company. Sales are now $44 million a quarter. Okay, so... Um, that's what a mil, a hundred and fifty million or so, uh, and it's a seven hundred million dollar market cap. So the price to sales ratio is not bad. Uh, they're going to make twenty seven cents next year. 
per share. So what kind of PE do you want to put on that? Okay, uh, at a 20 PE, that's about what it's selling at now, $4.15. So it's not unfairly priced. And, you know, I need to, well, I would obviously need to do a lot more work than just what I'm telling you here because we don't get, you know, I don't get a chance to look at a lot of the information. The stock is starting to roll down. It was as high as $4 and, you know, almost $5 a share. Now it's four fifteen. I would wait till the sell is down, and I really would be much more interested in this company around $3.50. It's a good, solid company from what I can see. Not a lot of debt. Uh, Looks like uh, mutual funds are buying. Turner Equity is very good at 65%. So it's a good, decent, decent company. Uh, But it looks like it's on a downstroke. I'd wait to see it settle out first before buying into it. Okay, today's trivia question concerns the price of gasoline today and over the last 90 years. We did this already, guys, so we can't do that one. So our trivia question, I'll come up with another trivia question before the show. Since it's Friday, I also will share highlights from today's KPP premium newsletter. Okay? Uh, It goes out every Friday, the premium newsletter. I do that. I always have a sense of a relief when I finish it in the morning because, you know, I'm under pressure every week to get that out on Friday. So how did the market do today? Well, it was a what we call a clear reversal day to the upside. Okay. Uh, the Dow was up 570 points. The Nasdaq up 197 points. And the S&P up 73 points. But it was down big. A pretty good, decent down in the morning before it reversed and shot back up. I'm not sure why it was down, other than there's been you know a lot of pressure on the Nasdaq on the downside, and the Nasdaq tends to pull down other stocks with it. But it had a pretty big reversal day today, so we'll see if that. Uh, I, I think it might be significant. It might be the Nasdaq might be close to its. Uh, uh, close to its uh, finishing its its uh, correction. We'll see. You know, it's hard to make that kind of judgment on one reversal day like today. But I think it could be. It could be. The reason why I would say it might be significant because it's Friday. Most investors don't want to go into the weekend holding positions or buying new positions on Friday. Okay, they just don't. So when you have a reversal day on a Friday, a reversal up day, it could be significant. So we'll see. We'll see. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have just completed the first trading week of March. And this is the last month of the quarter. So we're going to have earnings season coming up next month. So 2021 is moving pretty fast. With all the changes we have, we are happening, it is important to remember that during times of market uncertainty, the task of building your financial freedom is always important, continuing, and part of your daily life. You can't afford to just ignore it. You can't. So your goal of financial freedom requires information and strategies, effective strategies. So let's talk about that. Your participation in this show is super important. So we're taking your calls live, 888-99-CHART.
Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast, the February Rapid Fire Hour. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Hi, Steve and Justin. I'm a long-time listener, but first-time caller. I was looking the other day into some financial exposure in my portfolio, and I came across Sally Mae Corporation, the student loan provider. And all of the analysis I saw on the stock seemed to be pretty positive, price targets being raised by institutions, good P.E. ratio. But then I look in the bond market, and all of the bonds issued by Sally Mae are B-plus rated, 5% yield, or even more, 5 6 7% yield. And I was wondering, what's going on there? You know, it seems that really weak kind of junk bond grade debt, but strong equity rating. Thank you. I look forward to hearing your response. Okay. Uh, SLM is a symbol, Sally Mae Corporation. What they do is they originate uh, and acquire college loans made to students, uh, their families, and, and finance the cost of the education. So what's going on here is what's throwing a big wrench in this is a, a political situation and where the, the, the Democrats want to forgive all, all the student loans out there. Okay. I mean... That's the political issue. So it's kind of messing up. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean to Salome Corporation when they want to forgive all these loans? Does that mean the government's going to pay the loans off? To because Salome is, you know, kind of a quasi-government body. So how does that affect their stock price? How does it affect their earnings? And that's what's throwing a big monkey wrench in it. And you know, it's difficult to know what's going to happen. Are the bonds going to be bad because the bonds they issued to pay, you know, buy the loans? It, it, it's so confusing. Investors saying, well, I don't know if we want to be around this. They're going to make $2.44 next year. That's the estimate. And it's a $16 stock. So the P.E. ratio is very low, right? I mean, so, and the stock has moved up strongly from the price of $6 to, to 16 So the, the stock is moving strong. But there's massive confusion as to what's going to happen. No one knows because of the politics. So it's it's a concern. Um, for me, I'd probably just stay away from it because I don't know the answer. No one knows the answer. What are the politics going to do to Sally May? Well, I don't know. We don't know. So I, I'd be very careful investing in it. Okay. Uh, my focus point today. And okay, everybody, I forgot, by the way, on the... The trivia question, that the power failure yesterday, Wednesday, did you notice that all of a sudden I wasn't live anymore? Well, there was a power failure, and I didn't get to the answers. I thought we already, because my mind was, I, I already read that, and I knew I already knew the answers, and we already did that as a trivia question. When I never gave the answer out, that's the power failure. So we'll do that trivia question today. Okay, so that's going to be, the, that's going to be also my focus point today on SPACs, SPACs, special acquisition companies, are becoming less of a sure thing as the deals get stranger. Okay, so we'll talk about that a little bit. You know, SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies. Okay, and I don't really care for them, by the way, just so you know. You know, uh, these are companies that don't have a business but have money 
formed formed to produce money and then go buy a certain companies in a certain industry. It's pretty risky. Other topics I might get to uh, the jobs report out today, uh, uh, the tech correction that we've maybe done with, and maybe um, um, battery companies. There's three possible candidates that look fairly strong. There's going to be a shortage of car batteries. With the electric vehicle onslaught we're seeing, the batteries, we don't, we don't, you know, there's certain things that we don't have the infrastructure for. Charging the charging these batteries, the batteries themselves, and how about the drain on the electrical grid when we charge them overnight? And you know, what, are we ready for any of that? And I don't think we are. On Fridays, I usually give you some of uh, the key benchmark numbers. The two-year Treasury was uh, at 0.147. Last week it was 0.129. So the, the yield is going up on the two-year treasury, meaning the bond values are going down. Ten-year treasury yield at 1.557. Last week it was 1.398. So that yield's going up. Values are going down. Gold has been falling. Price is $1,711 per ounce. Remember, it peaked at 2000 and started falling several months ago. Last week it was 1728 This week it's 1711 per ounce. Silver t- today, 25.20 per ounce. Last week it was 26.60. Silver is acting a lot stronger than gold at this day, at this stage. Oil was selling for $66.10 a barrel. Last week it was 61. That's a 10% increase. So demand, uh, oil barrel of oil has been going up and up and up. And of course, that is char- you see that in uh, gasoline that you pump. Right, the national average two dollars seventy five cents. Last week was two dollars sixty nine cents. Uh, in California, three dollars and seventy one cents. Thank you very much. That's where I live. So in Tennessee, if you want to make a comparison, it's two dollars and fifty five cents. I'm paying three seventy one at the pump. Not fun, everybody. Not a fun thing. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You're listening to Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And for investors, they, the need to remain vigilant is always, always there. It never ends. It never does. You have to be watching what's going on. So, naturally, that will produce questions. So give me a call. And now your financial, your participation is always important, and I do really want it. So we are taking your calls live at 888-888-99-CHART. And the question is, during the market downturn, do dividends stay fairly steady, at least for blue chip companies as compared to share prices, or should I expect some fluctuation in the uh, dividend stream that I'm hoping to get? Got a question for Steve or Justin? Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations, you found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. 888 chart. We're going to go talk to my friend Emilios in San Francisco. How are you doing, Emilios? Sir, how are you? How's your knee? Uh, 
My knee is uh, okay. I went to the gym today. Oh. If I don't do any lateral movement, I'm fine. So I think it's, it's a meniscus. Still haven't gotten my MRI on it yet. For everybody else, I injured my knee a couple weeks ago and trying to trying to get trying to get it taken care of. So what, what do you want to talk about, AMD, Emilio's? Please, I wanted to see if you like it fundamentally. Is it better than Intel? Is it, you know, it. it uh, I just want to buy it. And it's a great it company. I mean, those it's just expensive, you know, and you're seeing a little pullback in it because of the cost. When I say expensive, they're making a dollar ninety-five this year and two dollars and fifty cents a share next year, and those are really good numbers from what it was. That's up fifty percent from a year ago, and another twenty-eight percent next year. And its sales are growing very fast. 50 percent or higher in the last two quarters. Before that, it was twenty-six percent, forty percent, fifty percent. So the sales have been very, very strong, and that's driven the cost of the stock to seventy-eight dollars a share. And it's that's down from what ninety-seven, ninety-eight dollars a share, down to seventy-eight. So you would think, okay, it's coming back. It's time to maybe pick it up. And it is right at the two hundred-day moving average. But it's still not a cheap stock. It's expensive. So, you know, you're going to have to pay, remember, $2.50 next year. But, you know, a 20 PE would only give a $50 stock. So it's like a 30 PE or so. Um, and that's high. But if the sales growth maintains what it is, it's worth it. But it's still expensive. Return on equity is very good. They don't have hardly any debt. I mean, fundamentally, they got a, they got a lot of things going for them. But you're still expensive, Emilios. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Let's go talk to L.A. and Atlanta. Kind of confusing, L.A. You're in Atlanta. How's it going? <laughs> uh, hi, Steve. Uh, good evening. Uh, thank you for taking my call. It's going pretty well. Thank you. Um, I'm calling you uh, this evening regarding uh, leverage short ETFs. Um, yes. Best ways to utilize them specifically. Uh UVXY. I had mm-hmm. a short, uh, excuse me, I had a uh, option call on UVXY for April 16th. It did well for me earlier in the week. Um, and I sold it, but uh, going forward, I was thinking of um, possibly putting some more uh, positions or uh, options within uh, UVXY or other okay. leverage shorts. And so I wanted to get your opinion on uh, UVXY as well as um, the, okay. the best way to these, position yourself with those leverage. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. These these ETFs that are shorting indexes, shorting, this one shorts the VIX, volatility index, and other others that leverage short, they are used primarily as trading vehicles, LA. So I wouldn't, don't think of them as, Long-term investments are not really long-term investments. They're good for trading or hedging against a downsize. Now, this one, UVXY, is an ETF seeking results corresponding to one and a half times the performance of the S&P 500 VIX short-term VIX, volatility index. And that volatility index is very hard because it moves fast. So it's very hard to pick your your spots of getting in and out is difficult. Um, for me, I wouldn't do it because it's too hard. Uh, for a normal investor out there, I would not recommend these. Recommend these if you're a trader. Uh, uh, this is a vehicle, 
and you can do what LA is trying to do. In LA, you're trying to catch the movement of the volatility index up and down. But take a look at this, and you'll see any any long-term chart, it just consistently goes down over time. And you're trying to catch the spikes as it goes down, up and down, trying to trying to trade those spikes. And, you know, it's difficult to do on any long-term, long-term process. It's just hard. And I, I was, you know, only people are very experienced in trading to do it. L.A., appreciate the call. Good luck with it. I hope it works for you. My focus point today concerns the story SPACs, SPACs, are becoming less of a sure thing as the deals get stranger. Now, they always were uh, not a sure thing. I mean, it, you know, these these are special purpose, you know, um, uh, vehicles. Um, and, you know, more than 370 of them are based, bank. they're called blank check companies. I never liked the idea of blank check companies. Uh, and, and what they are is they don't own anything. They don't have a business. They don't. They're, what they're doing is they're specially put together with money to go find a business to buy. And many of them have a specific area of where they're trying to find business. But you know, there's no business here. Uh, I, I just would stay away from them personally. I think they're too risky for everybody. Let the uh, hedge funds deal with those things. Okay, I didn't. I, I I will repeat Wednesday's trivia question because right at the half a mark is when I asked the question, but with power went out and we never got back to the answer. So, anyways, um, so this is the question. Okay, um, I'm gonna repeat it. Okay, it's about gasoline prices. What was the highest price of gas at the pump in the U.S. history, and what year did the cost of gas first cross over a dollar per gallon? So after the break, hopefully the power will stay on, and I'll give you the answer. We're live. Give me a call. Ask any questions you want. 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant 
with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Steve Peasley is here now and he's ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk 888-99 Chart. 888-99 Chart everybody. So I asked a trivia question before the break. It was all about gasoline prices. What was the highest price of gas at the pump in the U.S. history? And what year did the cost of gas first cross over $1 per gallon? And by the way, I remember that very specifically in my own personal history. So let me run through the statistics. The highest average gas in the U.S. was $3.64 per gallon in 2012. Adjusted for inflation, that would be $4.15 today. $4.15. $3.64 was 167% more expensive than a decade earlier in 2002. When did gasoline at the pump first exceed the dollar? 1980. There was lots there was a gas shortage and lots of inflation. At the time, gas jumped from 86 cents to $1.19 per gallon. Using inflation adjusted dollars, $1.19 in 1980 would be equivalent to $3.78 today. Okay. Now, according to AAA, today, average price of gasoline is $2.75. So, gas today is actually less expensive than it was in 1980, and less expensive than it was in 1931. Isn't that interesting? Gas is cheap. To, to, de- to demonstrate how this could be, I'll give you some gas prices over the past 100 years. In 1961, it was 31 cents per gallon. 1971 was 36 cents a gallon. Ten years, 31 to 36. Way back in 1931, 90 years ago, your grandfather, or maybe your great-grandfather, paid 17 cents per gallon. Today, inflation adjusted is $2.93. That 17 cents in 90 years ago, 1931, is now $2.93. And by the way, from 1931 till 2021 in the U.S., the cumulative rate of inflation has been approximately 1,620%. Okay, it's Friday. Soon we'll be heading into the, for the exits, for the weekend, but for the moment, 
we're still handling your questions. This time, this came in earlier, by the way, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Jade from Washington. I was wondering if you could highlight some of the differences between a CPA and a financial advisor, the reasons that one might have one or the other or both, and also if you have any tips on finding the best one in one's local area. I'd love to hear from you and look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Thank you. Bye. Sure. A a CPA is a certified public accountant. Those are qualified accountants keeping books and records, doing taxes, those things. They have nothing to do with managing money. They don't know much or anything about managing money. That's not their their speciality. Now, can a CPA manage money? Sure. Can is, uh, any schmo down the street manage money? Yes. You know you can manage up to $25 million without having any kind of designation, any kind of training, any kind of knowledge. So anybody can manage money. So a CPA is a bookkeeper kind of guy, girl, who has special knowledge and has passed a CPA test, which is very difficult, by the way. So they're very knowledgeable about taxes about those kinds of things. A money manager manages money, and there's different kinds of them. There's different types of them. Uh, there is, you know, a full brokerage house, a broker, you know, Goldman Sachs broker kind of guy. Uh, our, uh, I'm, I, my firm is a registered investment advisor firm, RIA, and my guys are all registered investment advisors. Okay, so there's different designations. They do different things. Good question, though. Thank you for asking. So the KPP Premium Newsletter was distributed today, as it is always every Friday, and usually I have lots of information there. This week's economic numbers were mostly on the plus side, and this morning's non-farm payroll report was very strong, really. The morning, uh, the I mean, it was up, what? We had so many, many jo- 379,000 new jobs added in February. That was much more than expected. It drove the uh, unemployment rate down one tick from 6.3% to 6.2%. What was interesting is I read that the Federal Reserve thinks that the unemployment rate is closer to 10% because of COVID distortions. That's what they said. I don't know where they're getting that number from. They didn't back it up with anything. I don't know. Um, The ISM number, ISM Manufacturing Index for February went to 60.8% from 58.7. That's a very strong number. The service sector went down from 58.7 down to 55.3%. Now, anything above 50% is expansion. What's interesting is that the manufacturing sector got stronger, but the service sector got weaker, but both are expanding. That doesn't happen. Usually it's just the opposite. Service sector is stronger than the manufacturing sector. That tells us something, right? It tells you something. Hmm. Tells me something. Okay, but they're both good numbers. So that was interesting. The stock market continues to show sign of sector rotation. That's what I wrote in the newsletter. Namely, rotation out of the tech sector and into the energy and materials sector. Gold is still falling, while silver looks much stronger. Very interesting things going on. I mean, it's just not normal, (laughs) which 
tells us something we should be watching our, our, our portfolios, everybody. Kind of making some adjustments. Don't I've been recommending this. Justin and I have been recommending this for months now about there's going to be some sector rotation. We're surprised that gold is as weak as it is, it is but the economy is gaining strength. And inflation is not showing up except in the oil sector. It's not showing up in the in the uh, the the uh, consumer price index CPI. Okay, uh, which is by the way that wasn't in the newsletter this week, but I talked about that. So you know, uh, we in the newsletter I talked about the complexities of managing an investment portfolio and the risk involved. And one of the crucial aspects involved in successful risk management is the necessity for diversifying your portfolio across various holdings from a myriad of industries. You know, the same can be said for someone, someone's entire asset base. In other words, you diversify. Maybe you have property. Maybe you have stocks. Maybe you have you know other kinds of assets. And it's okay, and you should diversify over these things. You know, um, talked about controlling emotions. We all have to control emotions. Um, Talking about going over your personal balance sheet, that kind of thing. Things are a little bit more difficult. Okay, Um, stock ideas. A big, large steel producer in South Korea. You'll have to figure out which one it is. I'm not supposed to mention names on the air, but it's the biggest in South Korea. They produce mostly stainless steel and flat steel rolled steel to integrate to, and they have two large integrated facilities. Uh, they're very much exposed to auto shipping, home appliance, engineering. They're big. Okay. Also, uh, looking at a global investment bank whose history has been long since 1924, goes all the way back. So, in the financial industry. So there's a lot of value, valuable, valuable information in the KPP Premium Newsletter. And it's easy for you to subscribe. You can do it directly at investor.com. And after subscribing, you'll see the e-newsletter every Friday, early in the morning, well, later in the morning, early afternoon at the latest. I get it done in the morning. When it goes out specifically, I'm not sure. Okay? But it'll be in your e-news, email box. Okay, I encourage you to reach out to Justin and I at KPP Financial. If you have questions or anything financial-related help that you might need, you can call our Irvine, California office or send us a message through investdoc.com. Okay, so let's get back to the voice bank for another question. Hi, Justin and Steve. Love the show. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, question is about MGM Resorts, uh, that symbol MGM. Uh, really interested in this personally based on what seems to be an uptick in uh, online gambling legalization across the country. And MGM in particular seems to have uh, an attractive PE and some solid historical fundamentals. And just wondering about your take on MGM, the online gambling uh, sector in general as an investment, and why you think MGM is lagging behind others in this sector when it comes to PE in particular Love to hear your answers. Love listening to the podcast. I'll stay tuned in and hope to uh, hear you guys chat about it. Thanks a bunch. Okay. Well, it's all about COVID, right? They lost, uh, MGM lost $3.94 in 2020, shutting down worldwide. They, they operate uh, casinos with almost 35,000 slot machines, 2,000 table games, 
2.5 million square feet of casino space and 45,157 rooms, all were used in much of 2020. 2020. So they're going to lose, they lost $3.94 in 2000. They're going to lose $1.91 this year, and they're going to lose a penny a share next year. That's the estimates. So, you know, this, and they're at a $37 stock. I think online gambling is going to just, I think it's going to expand. I think it's going to continue to grow and grow fast. Okay. Uh, and COVID only accelerated that part of the business. Remember, they still have sales. I mean, they had $289 million in sales, which is very low for them in the June quarter of last year. And then September quarter of last year, it went to $1.1 billion. And then the December quarter, $1.5 billion. So the sales are coming back very fast. And, of course, the vaccine will help that. But they still have debt to pay. So they have issues, right? I think online gambling, whoever has, there's going to be a lot of companies involved in that. MGM would be one of them. Now, at $37 a share, should you be a buyer? You realize this stock is higher than it was before COVID? I don't I think that's I think we're too late to the game here, guys. Too late. Okay? I'm Steve Peasley, you're listening to Invest Talk, and it's now official. This week we had crossed over thirty million. Thirty million the thirty million mark. That's thirty million downloads of Invest Talk podcast. And everybody I really want to thank you for that. It's really great. And our listener base is lar- is largest in the United States, but of course it's all over the place, all over the con- over the world. So it's really been heartwarming. We literally like it. We're we're surprised that you like the show as much. So we've been doing the show for decades, right? And we had radio show did it on the radio for long before podcasts came about. Anyways, so Justin and I want to thank you for downloading Invest Talk, and also we're telling your family and friends about it. Obviously, you are because we're growing, still growing. So, you know, which platform do you most do most Invest Talk listeners use to download the podcast? The Apple ecosystem accounts for eighty-seven percent of the downloads. The others, you know, pretty small, pretty small. So, Justin, and I thank you again downloading Invest Talk. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you telling your friends and family. And, you know, remember, you go to our website, investtalk.com, has a good, uh, a good number of re- resources available for you to assist you with your goal of building your wealth. Take, we'd like you to take a look, go there. You can always take that riskalyze test, which is a, quest, is, a, is a short questionnaire. I mean, it's pretty short to judge your personal risk tolerance. And then what we do is we try to, you know, it's very simple. You just go to our website, investtalk.com, take the riskalyze questionnaire, it gives you a risk score, and the score is between 0 and 100, and 80 is about the same risk of as the S&P 500. So take it, see where you lie in the risk scale. Very interesting, I think. And, of course, you are welcome to call KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California, anytime you want. We would love to hear from you. But now our phone lines are open. That number is 888-99-CHART. quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. 
it's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, call about a stock, an EV stock, RMO, Romeo Power, for like the next five years. Looking to get your opinion on that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Romeo Power. It's a $1.2 billion company. It's in, it's in uh, Vernon, California. It manufactures energy-dense lithium-ion battery modules and packs for commercial electric vehicles. I like the area. They don't make any money, though. They have very little sales. It's a $9.68 stock and $1.2 billion company. What they, what, what's the problem here? They're going to lose... They lost, they've, they've, they're going to lose 28 cents last year. Still have, haven't finally getting the final numbers yet. And they're going to lose 47 cents a share this year. And, the, you know, it's, it's very, very, very risky. I mean, think about it. It was under $10, then it shot up to over $40, and now it's $9.68 again. Very risky. I wouldn't buy it because, you know, I don't like buying companies that don't, that, don't, that don't make money. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this break. Get your questions in now. 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. What's your question? Would you recommend to put all my funds right away in the market or you recommend dollar cost average? Got a question for Steve or Justin? 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Friday, the weekend is almost here, and Steve Peasley is on duty now, taking your finance and investment questions live. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Kevin from Los Angeles. I have a question about buying a house. So I have a 401k rollover that I've uh, basically doubled since March of last year. Uh, I understand as a first-time home buyer, you're allowed to withdraw 10000 out of uh, I guess either retirement account. I was wondering, was that something that you'd recommend? I wasn't quite sure about how it would go with selling individual stocks in order to get that 10000 or do you recommend just taking it out of uh, like a liquid brokerage that I have access to um, immediately? Thanks for what you guys do and appreciate it. Okay, this is a very uh, interesting, important question. Should you use money out of your IRA to put a down payment on a house that you want to own? And in my personal opinion, if it's a house that you're going to own and live in, the answer is yes. I don't have a big problem with that, even though I hate dipping into your retirement accounts. But I think it's important to build another asset, which would be your home. Um, I, I, You know, everybody needs a home. And I'd rather not you see you putting out rent checks every month when you can pay out a mortgage and eventually own your house outright over time. I like that idea. And most homes, depending on where you are, depending but you know, depends on where you live, but it's all about location. But talking about Los Angeles, and most homes in California will go up in value over the years. They always have, and they probably will continue to do so. 
So it is an asset that will appreciate, which I like a lot. So, um, yes, the answer is yes. But make sure you go through your accountant before you do that because there might be, there are certain rules about taking money out of your 401k. Don't just take it out and think, okay, no. You've got to go through the process. Let's go to Alfredo in Los Angeles. How are you doing, Alfredo? Good, Steve. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for the call. Hi, Steve. My, my question was, when creating a dividend portfolio, how many stocks should you have in that portfolio? Well, I like to have no less than 15 and no more than 35, let's say. Um, it, it takes, uh, you know, I have built a, a dividend portfolio with my 401k in my office, and I have uh, about 20, 21 in there. But it took me a while to get there because I've always was very patient, waiting for the stocks to get cheap before I jump in. I mean, I have some big names that you would recognize right off, and you probably have them too, or you're thinking about them, Alfredo. You know, so, so yeah, though, you know, there's some that are, man, even there's some that are paying really high dividends, and, and they're very solid companies, not going to go anywhere. Uh, I'll say in the telephone industry, big telephone companies, right? I won't mention names because I'm not supposed to. You can mention names and I can confirm it, but I can't mention names. But, you know, why would you not? You know, I mean, they're paying 7% plus. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, 15 to 30, Alfredo, whatever you're comfortable in having. Okay. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay. Okay. 888-99-CHART, everybody. Jobs report, 379,000. They expected 210. It was 166,000 the last month, so that was very good. This is for February. Uh, uh, there's a tech correction going on, right? And there was a big reversal today. Uh, reversal meaning the, st- the stocks went down and reversed really big up on the upside. That's a very unusual thing to happen on a Friday. And it might mean, it could mean that the correction in the tech sector might be over. But I, for some reason, I feel in my gut that it's not, but that's... You know, I don't, you know, just, it's because I've been doing this so long, but my gut is often wrong. So you can't, you can't just rely on that. There are, uh, there are three battery companies you probably should look into. You know, we're going to have a shortage of car batteries. Just going to happen because, you know, depending on how many cars, electric cars are sold out there, there's just not enough batteries out there. There's three battery companies that... You should do some investigation on three major battery companies that, not all here in the United States either, that you should consider, I'm considering anyway. We'll take a look at that. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening and encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live streaming broadcast which concludes at 5 o'clock Pacific time. Get your free downloads anytime. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com. And we would like you to rate us. We really would. Independent thinking, share success, everybody. This is InvestTalk. Enjoy your weekend.
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 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 